Hi everyone, Jacqueline Foster here. Welcome back to the Paralegal Mastery Lounge podcast. Today I have a recording for you from our webinar we did over on LinkedIn and in our Facebook group um, on identifying your niche and positioning as a specialized paralegal expert. Here we're gonna discover the transformative impact of niche specialization as we guide you through pinpointing your strengths, gauging market demand, and honing in on a focused legal area. So in this webinar, the aim was to learn how to establish yourself as a trusted authority, leveraging tailored communication and strategic networking. I really love this topic. It's gonna to be super beneficial um, if you're listening in as a paralegal that's trying to climb the career ladder as an entrepreneur, or if you are wanting to merge yourself into entrepreneurship. <clears throat> now, you can be doing one or the other and it's gonna benefit both, right? So the more we can niche down, the better uh, we are going to stand out within the industry for employment jobs um, or our businesses. Before we get into the episode, I wanna give you some exciting news that the Paralegal Mastery Lounge now is allowing on-demand course purchase. So if you're a member of the private lounge, you're still getting a better bang for your buck. Don't go buy those courses. Those are all the courses you're getting and you've already gotten in the private lounge. Um, but for those who didn't necessarily want to commit to the, to the monthly membership, or you want to sort of select and pick and choose which courses you'd like to take, they are available on our website as of now. So head over to paralegalmasterylounge.com. You'll see when you hover over the, the store tab um, in the header, you'll notice the different categories. So if you're, again, if you're looking into your uh, career development, we have courses in there for career development, we have paralegal entrepreneur courses, we have freelance paralegal business templates, we have other digital products, and we have our services. So head over to paralegalmasterylounge.com, check out our products and our new and updated store. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a rating and feel free to reach out to me if there is a topic you'd like me to cover on an upcoming episode. I love suggestions. I want to make sure all the content I'm putting on here is targeted for you and what you are wanting to hear. So thank you again and enjoy well, today's expert. episode. I love talking about this topic. Um, we actually, so many times in the Paralegal Private Lounge on the courses I give, I always have to put little disclaimers in all of my courses to just remind you that by narrowing a focus isn't shrinking your potential it's actually expanding it both with picking your north star such ideal client um, with your branding with your services offering and same thing with niching down the more you can niche down the wider of a reach you're going to have because you're able to position yourself as a specific expert in a specific practice area even better if you can do a specific state as well. Now, this is going to be relevant both towards if you're creating a business as a paralegal, you're freelancing, you're offering paralegal services, or if you're trying to obtain six figures in the employee market. Because the more specialized you can get, the more in demand you are. Especially now when lawyers are looking for 
cost savings and lawyers are looking for um, bringing people in that require very little training time, they would rather spend more on salary for somebody or more in hourly rates for somebody that just hits the ground running that probably knows the practice area better than themselves or younger staff, attorney staff they have on hand and that can really be the leader for them in their office. So it's so, and obviously we want to pick a good specialization that's in high demand, but it's always good to identify your niche area. I was the jack of all trades, master of none, and it ended up working out for me okay because I did merge into an agency and now my specialization is in staffing as it stands. So I specialize in legal staffing, both, both permanent and flexible. But before when I started my uh, services as a paralegal, I just, I couldn't really attract consistent clients and the consistent needs because I was marketing all the practice areas right away, right? And so when we start focusing and being more singular with our practice areas, you're going to reach people that you are appearing to be directly relevant to what they are versus if, if they might see you for the first time and you're advertising estate planning services, they're kind of already like numb to the rest of your content because they're not considering you relevant. So if you get in front of people immediately that you want to be getting in front of, pick your specialization, something you really, really know that you can shine in, they're gonna see your content right away and they're gonna be more paying more attention to your content as you continue to market yourself. You're, you're relevant to them and to their practice area. So you're immediately creating that that synergy and that, you know, what they have to say is relevant to what I do in my day to day. And you're able to become then the go to expert. So let's talk about what what types of benefits of specializing in a specific legal area can bring to you both in marketing yourself as an employee or marketing yourself as a business owner as a paralegal, you're going the biggest benefit is your marketing and your brand authority that you're building for yourself is going to go so much quicker because you're constantly building the authority in the same topic, topics, subtopics within that topic. You're able to really, really identify yourself as this is my jam, this is what I do. So you're really focusing heavily on that with your content marketing and it makes that content marketing a lot easier. You can start creating more videos around the topic. You can create blogs around the topics. Now, and I want to take a moment here and pause um, because I know this gets really confusing as far as content. What type of content should I be publishing? When we're building our brand authorities, we don't necessarily need to be constantly demonstrating to our attorneys that we can draft, you know, a summary judgment, motion for summary judgment way better than they can or way better than their associate can. The idea is that we're we're coming in as a paralegal expert in that practice area. So what's really going to be more standout, even if you can, great benefit, bonus, cherry on top of the uh, cake for the attorney, even if you can draft those things and be really, really great in that practice area as far as it relates to the substantive legal drafting, what they're going to be more um, drawn to as far as your expertise is your innate and very close understanding of the practice area as a whole and how to progress a case from conception to completion. Therefore, you're able to implement more um, cost-effective processes, more timely costs, or excuse me, I'm kind of struggling a little bit today with my words. <laughs> I think it's allergy season. You're able to um, enhance their, their efficiencies, implement better processes to get through XYZ faster, to get through bottlenecks faster. So 
those are sort of the things that come with with finding your niche and really committing to your niche. Now you can expand after that, but it's more it's it's going to be an easier path in any shape of the matter to pick something first and then expand from there. So really focusing in if you're starting to bring in other subcontractors and you want to create a separate division of your company, say in estate planning, you know, say your personal injury and you want to do estate planning. Once you start bringing subcontractors, you can can reevaluate what your brand is around and what you're actually specializing in at that point. But when it's just a you show, when you're just bringing clients in for you to service, you're going to really want to focus on attracting and it's going to make it easier with your LinkedIn optimization, like I discuss in the challenge, that you're able to connect with a lot more targeted on the, on the a higher target of audience. So you're able to focus specifically on the personal injury attorneys in XYZ area. So it's all going to make things a lot less cluttered. Um, you're you're going to wake up every day and know what your um, marketing needs to accomplish for that week. You're always talking your ideal clients lingo. And then you're establishing that authority. So let's talk a little bit more about how to establish the authority within your niche. Um, leverage speaking engagements, going to conferences, webinars, showing up wherever that niche, whatever, wherever that practice area, what you've niched yourself in is appearing, showing up there. Um, you're able to have a very clear path, you know, the podcasts that are specific to your industry, the webinars, the conferences, the forums, the newsletters, staying up to date on industry trends, constantly being pr providing those industry trends and changes and things that are coming up and providing your audience with value on how to prepare for those things. So leveraging those types of platforms that are re relative, relevant to your, in your niche industry is going to help you um, create, uh, create better content, create more direct content. Then you're also going to be able to be using testimonials and case studies to build that credibility. Um, the more that people see, a, you know, say you're in personal injury, I'm going to keep using that as an, as an example. The more people are able to see that you are specialized in personal injury and then now you're receiving testimonials from personal injury attorneys or personal injury colleagues as references, the better though and the more credible you're going to be because it's all relevant, right? So. Let's talk a little bit about finding your niche. I, I'm jumping around a little bit here and I apologize for that. I wanna back up and talk about finding your niche because if you're like me, maybe you didn't do all of the things. Like I, I mean, I did like every practice area except for trademarks. Seriously, every practice area except for intellectual property essentially. So it was really hard for me and I never did quite do it um, because I ended up taking my business in a different direction and I wanted to specialize in staffing and, and team development and law firm uh, growth strategies. But I had a really hard time because if you were like me and you were jack of all trades, master of none, maybe you even have a few practice areas, maybe you're really good at all those practice areas and you're like, I really want to pick one thing, but I don't know how. It's all going to start with a little bit of self-discovery. You need to assess your true strengths, your true interests and where your passion lies and the area of law that really does captivate you both as an employee and a business owner because you are going to shine through a lot more authentically when you're advertising yourself, when you're you know interviewing, when you're promoting yourself, when you're marketing, when you're actually passionate about the topic you're marketing about. 
you're touching on. So really make sure you're taking the time to sit down, meditate on it, think it through. Where do my true strengths actually lie? And maybe you might end up finding a niche within a, in a broader spectrum, right? So maybe you are the litigation paralegal and you can't quite figure out your niche practice area. You know, is it personal injury? Is it civil rights? Is it... Uh, you know, anything can you know, family law litigation, like where in litigation is discovery something you're particularly good and passionate. I don't I was one of those paralegals that love discovery. Every paralegal is like, who loves discovery? But I loved it. Um, I love the organization of it. I love compounding. I love Bates numbering. I loved going through and creating spreadsheets for um, to prepare for trial is trial something you're really, really passionate about. That is also a niche, a niche within the legal process is a niche. It doesn't have to be, I know everything about family law from conception to completion, but maybe I'm really, really, really good in this particular area. And then you're going to know how to market to your clients out there, your potential clients out there that they're trying to, you're trying to speak to perhaps the clients that the potential clients that have bottlenecks within their discovery phase, or they're falling short on their support in trial prep or in trial execution. So it, truly, we have to get real with what it, what is it that we are passionate about? What is it that we are really, really good at that could translate from practice area to practice area and then go from there if we don't want to just niche in one practice area as a whole? Um, now, also paying attention to the market. I do believe I have you know been kind of looking into the market. All law firms and all practice areas are sort of starting to... Uh, or they're getting back to their normal trajectory of growth and in the industries and there's nothing too alarming about any particular practice area that's going to take a plummet. I know there's been a lot of talk about, you know, AI and estate planning or, a, honestly, Uber and criminal. You know, there's less drunk drivings with, the, with Uber expanding all over the place. Those types of things. But I think every practice area is sort of on the trajectory to continue to grow. Um, year over year. So as far as the market goes, we obviously need to be very conscientious about that. Again, looking at if we're going to specialize in criminal defense, what type of criminal defense are we going to specialize in? Is it, you know, major crimes or is it just your regular DUIs, probation violations, domestic assault, those types of things that aren't as, you know, requiring an attorney way up there that's charging $30,000, $50,000 retainers. So we want to make sure that we're also aligning our services with that niche um, and what we're choosing and our pricing around that. So it's one thing to specialize and to niche, get a niche in something and really build that authority around there, but also be aligning our niche to our ideal client as well and how the pricing and the services are going to relate to that particular client. Are you looking for big law? Do you want to specialize in big law or do you want to specialize in solo and small law firms? So as you can see, there's just a multitude of little avenues to, to consider as we're, we're, we're working on narrowing our focus so that we can broaden our opportunities. Now, at any point in time, make sure that you guys are asking questions because I do leave a little bit of time at the end to answer them. And if I have no questions, then, you know. So make sure if you have any questions that come up or if you want me to slow down or back up, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place here to try to get through this webinar. Um, but, and the reason I do, the reason I jump all over the place with these webinars is sometimes because there are so many components that have to come into play to make the perfect puzzle come together, right? So 
when we're picking our niche, it's not enough to just say, okay, I want to, to specialize specifically in criminal defense, but I also want to make $80 per hour as a contractor, but I'm specializing in DUI defense work that's like a first time of, right? You know what I'm trying to get, like trying to get at? Like what you would see in your normal small town criminal work, like we rarely take things to trial type of type of thing they're not going to be able to pay the $80 per hour so we want to kind of always be tracing our chosen industry our chosen specialization back to our ideal client our services offering and our pricing and make it all align and then build the authority around that so when we're marketing advertising we're not only speaking about our expertise in that area we're also demonstrating to our ideal client why we should be chosen by them for cost effectiveness for experience level for background and history lisa hi jackman today's question if we apply to your advertised staffing openings is the processing or consideration same as the rest of the industry which openings like so we recruit and then sometimes we hire internally so when you're talking about advertised staffing openings is the processing or consideration same as the rest of the industry i'm not sure what you are asking there. If you could try to rephrase that, that'd be wonderful. How many years of experience as a W-2 paralegal is ideal in a niche before breaking out as a freelance? So I love that question because I get a lot of hate for my answer. I don't think that there's any specific year of experience you need to specialize. I think it's about getting really real with ourselves and our experience and what we can confidently advertise and offer our clients um, and know that we're going to really do a great job and and uphold our um, end of our bargain when we're when we're advertising ourselves so that being said i think somebody with a paralegal certificate that has a ton of experience in office administration can specifically advertise their services in the niche area of virtual assistant for law firms um, I think in general, you know, that's a specialization because there's a, a general, there's for VAs out there, virtual assistants out there, but they're very general, you know, business owners, whatever, bookkeeping. They're just very general. But if you could, you know, if you say have no law firm experience, but you know the terminology to a certain extent, you can offer some virtual assistant work to law firms, um, not doing the substantive paralegal work or anything of that nature. That being said, if you want to specialize in, say, drafting complex motions or taking a case from conception to completion, I do recommend you have a good level of experience or, you know, at least just a really good level of comprehension um, in your practice area that if somebody were to ask you a question on the spot, you're able to answer it or able to quickly look it up. Um, for instance, if you're advertising yourself as a personal injury specialist paralegal and then you show up into that interview and you get a really tough interviewer like i've had in the past granted this particular person was not applying for um a paralegal role it was a an assistant role and they asked something about plaintiff versus defendant and can you tell me like the difference or between a plaintiff and a petitioner you know something like that and she couldn't answer it so that's just very basic but getting in and i don't and I guess what I'm trying to say is whatever specialization you're choosing and are ready to offer your services and just be sure that you're very, very competent in whatever it is that you're offering. Um, and if, if that means right now you want to start a business, 
but you don't have that competency that you think you need to be able to strongly advertise yourself as a discovery paralegal or as a general personal injury paralegal, find a different specialization within those processes that you can come in and be really supportive of. For instance, I just had a discovery call with a potential client two days ago, I think, Monday, that their biggest bottleneck is gathering medical records, like huge bottleneck. I mean, each, you know, they have like 20 attorneys. Each attorney has 175 cases at a time and they're just inundated with medical records. So that's that's a service, that's a specialization. And actually like total humbleness right now, I did lose a client um, opportunity. Not a big, I mean, it, it was fine. It was gonna be for a temporary assignment um, to gather, to execute a specific thing for a specific type of case definitely could have supported them in that, but they ended up finding somebody that specializes specifically, like that's all they do in what they needed done as far as retrieving documents goes. Um, and also created some guarantees around that as a result. So they were able to um, offer the guarantee if we don't if we don't get the document, we don't charge you. We charge you on retrieval of the document, which sounded a lot more lucrative to them than working with our general litigation paralegal to go ahead and go get those documents. Now, that doesn't always happen. You know, usually we're not, usually I'm not getting temp assignments like that from my clients. Um, typically it's longer term, um, more broad, general type of support within their, within their law firm. You know, a mixture of drafting and retrieval and client communication and just sort of doing all the things but that's a really good example of how specialization can really trump generalization right and so because then you're also able to refine your services again that's actually a phenomenal example the going back to me saying my ideal client my ideal serve you know the their ideal price point their ideal structure what they're looking for you're able to tailor specifically around that and create a better infrastructure even as you scale your business because they're able to, they know their processes, they know their overhead, they know their cost per document retrieved. They are confident in saying, we will only charge you once we receive the document. And then there's a good balance between the lost documents and the one documents. Rephrase the question, the 1099 rules, how do you consider what is a good fit? What will you look for? Okay, um, so for our 1099 rules, you know, we already have a really large network of contractors that have worked with us before, but we're always looking, always, always, always looking to bring new contractors in. So I know, for instance, we have a new position open. Um, it's 1099 business law work, um, about 10 hours per week. Really what we're looking for is the experience matching what the client is needing. Um, we're looking for availability. I typically, very rarely, um, I try to avoid hiring you know, weekend warriors, nighttime warriors. Uh, we like to see a little bit of daytime availability because most of our clients are needing you to contact third parties or work with the court or work with the client. And so that really needs to be done within working hours. Plus it helps a better workflow for just the way we're set up. Um, now that being said, we've hired, we've recruited for other 1099 companies that don't care when you draft. Um, you know, it could be weekends, nights, as long as you're meeting the deadlines because it's strictly drafting work. So it really just depends on the client. Essentially, we 
tailor each of our approaches to each client's unique individual needs. So this particular client needs somebody that is very experienced, um, that can grow with her, um, that she can delegate more and more work to. That's the ultimate goal anyway um, in that practice area. And we're also really looking for really strong communication skills as the 1099 world, because of the remote nature of it and because of the fact that you're not there 40 hours per week working constantly in the firm, solid communication skills is an absolute must. Um, they need to know you're working on the deadlines. They need to know those deadlines are going to be met. Those types of types of things we really are stressing heavily in our 1099 remote positions. Um, we're also looking for people that want to build businesses um, and that have that entrepreneur spirit and that customer focus, customer service oriented. Um, this isn't a W-2 job. We're not, you know, here to micromanage employees. We want our paralegals that work through our company to really have that business forward mindset that want to develop themselves as freelancers, as independent business owners. So I hope that answered your question, Lisa. But mainly, obviously, every time we're, we're doing custom placements. So the each paralegal is going to be working directly with the attorney. So it's per job as far as those like hard skills go. Um, but as far as the soft skills go, I hope I touched on that a little bit, a little bit more. So I just want to run by a quick conclusion. I know I jumped around. This probably wasn't my best outlined webinar ever. For <laughs> um, how I, it's been, it's been a long day. I've been doing a lot of recording today, um, a lot of talking, and like I said, I, that's probably why I've decided to uh, take a little break from the webinars so that I can come back a little bit more fresh and focusing on the paralegal mastery lounge where we are putting in new products and exciting things. So let's summarize this a little bit. Niching down is strategic. It's strategic for the business as a whole. It's going to give you the ability to create a different business model in general. And niching down doesn't necessarily mean, again, that I have to stick with personal injury. It could be I want to niche in legal tech. I want to niche in discovery specialty. I want to niche in trial specialties. I want to niche in executive assistance for busy law firm partners. Anything where you can really be clear on who you serve and your specialty you're bringing to the table in when you go to serve them. It helps you navigate business growth a lot more seamlessly. Um, you know, as myself, I specialized in staffing. So it's not just that we provide paralegals. I work with my clients very, very closely, very in, uh, intimately on their staffing strategies as a whole. And that's a niche, that's a specialty, and then we supply them with paralegals. Um, as we go on Facebook, if you guys on Facebook, I forgot to check if you have any comments, I hope I can see them. Let me refresh them. Um, as a whole, so now I'm able to then say, okay, let's get better and better and better at our placements. Let's get better and better and better at our who we have on our team. Um, let's keep improving on the strategic staffing approach to it. Louisa, in my research, the niche I'm interested in is one that is not common to outsource to 1099 paralegals. It's not common because having senior paralegals within the law firm has been the norm for decades, period. In your experience, would it be worth my time to make it my niche? Um, can you by chance tell me what the niche is? Because then I could maybe give you more insight. 
Um, so if it's, if having senior paralegals within the law firm has been the norm for decades, is it the norm for that type of law firm? You know, that's what I'm just saying. I don't know what, what you're referring to as far as what the niche is, meaning is there small law firms, solo law firms that do this practice area that can't afford the senior paralegals that you're commonly seeing in the large law firms because they are sharks and they will keep people and they will pay them and they will give them a very cushy seat to sit in, mass torts. No, I definitely think mass torts, it is, sure, it's common to have senior paralegals in anything huge, any type of huge litigation, but there's still attorneys out there that don't have access to them or can't afford them. So you can niche in that and then cater to specifically the industry that is not able to access those senior paralegals that they desperately need to be able to really rock these cases and take on more of them. Um, solo attorneys, I've worked with, I can't tell you how many solo attorneys I've worked with that are amazing, absolutely phenomenal attorneys. Oh, okay. I, I feel I've known a few actually. Um, you said there it's the norm for that type of law. Only large law firms practice this normally. I don't I've met several um, solo small firms that do mass tort litigation. Um, actually, I know one that he that's all he does is he got does of count he does co counsel with law firms all over the country and he just works huge trials, huge trials um, for mass torts and he's a solo. Um, so he was one of my clients because he needed really strong paralegals to help him on all of his cases with the voluminous discovery. So I, I mean, I would say, Louisa, like, I definitely get what you're saying, that large firms, it seems like they just have tons and tons and tons of senior support. There's two options here. So really start focusing on the small and solos that want to take on mass torts, that do take on mass torts, that need the senior level experience or revisit those large firms and see how you can niche even more deeply within the mass torts to be able to offer services that support the senior paralegals. Again, document retrieval, legal research, um, a la carte type menu stuff. What is it within that practice area that you can bring in support in any part of the process, right? So like I've worked with regional firms before. I worked in work comp and regional firms and they have so many departments within their in their firms. So they have, you know, the subpoena department, they have the research department, they have the IME scheduling department. They have all these little departments and then they usually have like one couple paralegals per lawyer or whatever that oversee the whole operation. Um, and they're kind of managing all of these little departments. So which department could you come in and like offer a service better that's more lucrative to them than to go and hire a full-time person to handle that? You know, is it subpoenas? Is it deposition summarization? Um, if these large firms are taking on so many depositions every single day, deposition summarization might be phenomenal. Ma uh, medical record summarization. So what services can you offer? For instance, I j that firm that I was just telling you about that um, ended up hiring somebody that specializes in this specific document retrieval that they needed with the, their clients, they're a large firm and they were contacting me because they just, they had this one project, this one case right now that they were just a little bit short on. Oop. I don't know what happened, but I think I... 
drop my live on LinkedIn where I was just talking to her. Let me see if I can go back. Am I still here? Are you guys still here? I don't know what just happened. I'm sorry. I'm back. Um, okay. So again, what I was saying, I hope I'm still here is, and I'm about to wrap up here, but is they specifically needed somebody to support their already large team because this particular case was just so big. Um, and that's very common too. So I'm not trying to say, yeah, there definitely you can pick out a market. It's really, really healthy to look and say, you know, I just think that there's not enough market here for me. Let me try some different avenue. But if that's your specialty, get really creative with what where is there under service? You know, where are people bottlenecking? Where are law firms bottlenecking? Um, I'm going to make sure because now I can't see any of my comments. I'm so sorry again that I... Uh, Went, went black on you guys. Oh, yeah, awesome feedback, thanks. And Discovery is my jam too. Yeah, we must be the weird ducks because I love Discovery, I'm a, I geek out on it. I just love organizing anything. You should see my house. My husband thinks I have issues. All right, if there's no other questions, I hope, that was a phenomenal actually question, Louisa, because that really helped me explain what I was trying to get at as far as it goes to different ways you can niche within a niche. Lisa, not enough market for mass towards. Sure. So, I mean, but like, think about all the, I guess, you know, I can't speak to it. I just know I've had mass towards clients. Um, but there you go. Discovery, discovery. Workers comp is my jam. <laughs> I only did work comp for a very brief period of time, Jessica. And it was when I first started subcontracting in 2018 and I'd never done it before. So I just scheduled IMEs and did some like motion and pleading writing. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. New paralegal here, not much experience. Where do you see law firms needing virtual assistance? What can I offer as a virtual assistance to them that can help me wheel them in? Um, lots of, lots and lots of things. So depending on what your experience is. So if you have like no legal experience, but you, you have a background in legal, um, in general, the variety of things you could be supporting attorneys with is scheduling, um, sending out correspondence, um, doing a lot of like lead follow-up or just routine client check-ins, um, ordering supplies for the office. Anything you think of that a law firm might need support with. Social media management. Um, uh, AI has made it very, very easy to be able to help, you know, to get better and better at writing content, blogs, just SEO-driven blogs for no other reason than to increase the SEO on your website. Um, those types of things. You could be looking on like an executive level where you're helping them schedule travel arrangements, help them um, put together proposals, um, presentations. It could be on a personal level where you're helping them with scheduling appointments, um, things of that nature. I mean, there's always something, just a multitude of, of a variety, a large variety of what people are needing in their businesses. Just even take the legal part out of it. Take the fact that they're lawyers out of it. There's still people trying to build businesses. Um, so you're really going to want to be targeting business owners there, especially your small, your solo firms, or you know you could really target upper level partner and kind of be more of a elite luxury type service. 
<coughs> for your busy, busy high-end partners. Christian, uh, yes, I think actually, just for the sake of time, I do have a snippet, I think, on the podcast of marketing within the marketing cycles. I think I did do a webinar in here or on the Facebook group, probably it'd be in both, on marketing. Um, otherwise, stay tuned because I'm going to start, I, I don't want to totally announce it yet, but I'm going to start giving more options for you guys to sort of a la carte my courses instead of signing up for one big bulk thing you can pick and choose which courses you want to buy um so that's going to be coming up pretty soon and so keep an eye out there i would i would love to get into that i would say if i could give you really quick tips on marketing your niche consistency is key depending on what avenue you want to go blog writing um, create a website around something that you're really passionate about in your niche um video creation, infographic creation, um, just publishing on LinkedIn. Christian, it might be really, really good for you to get my LinkedIn 30-day challenge because I have 18 days of content on there, content ideas to kind of get you started, okay? Anything to deal with elder law disability, but they all want over 10 years experience. <laughs> I will say if you know anything about Medicaid, or Medicare, am I getting it wrong? It's been a while since I've had a client in that realm, but we were really, really busy in that a few a while ago. They have a really, really hard time finding people with experience in that and disability. They all want over 10 years of experience. I will say too, Christian, Kristen, sorry, the... A lot of law firms are saying that, that they want over 10 years of experience, and it depends. If they're hiring on site, they have to start learning how to be open to soft skills um, that are going to directly make a better employee, and your hard skills are going to just flourish as a result of your soft skills. Um, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm so sorry you guys are dealing with these pushbacks. I, I have a lot of estate planning, elder law. I don't have any disability right now. We used to have a few clients in disability and Medicare, Medicaid type work. Um, estate planning, you know, around the trusts and stuff that they would develop. And they didn't really particularly pick a spot on how many years of experience as much as they just cared about the product that was coming out. As far as the 1099 goes, I don't know if you're related... Um, referring to W-2 employment and the job ads you've been seeing. Do you have any suggestions about how to fairly price your hours? Um, I can tell you that the range is like 25 to 175 an hour out there. Um, so I would definitely say really focus on looking at how much it would cost for them to hire a full-time person at the amount of hours you're giving, right, with payroll and things of that nature, and then just go a little bit above for the expertise. Um, I charge 52 per hour. I know a lot of my colleagues are charging anywhere from 50 to 60. I have a few colleagues that are charging in the 75 per hour range. Um, so it really is going to be dependent on your practice area. You know, that's another thing. That's why I got to get my, my products on a la carte here soon because that's another um, course we have in the Paralegal Mastery Lounge is actually setting your prices and going through how to actually set your specific price. Um, so just with purposes of time, I can't get too deep into it. All right, everybody.
You're welcome. I'm glad that helped. Alrighty, any everyone, if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. Again, go visit our website, sign up for a newsletter. Um, join our Facebook group too, if you haven't. It's Paralegal Mastery Lounge. It's a fun group. Well, I got people in here, there. And people on Facebook, if you haven't, follow me on LinkedIn. And follow me on Instagram, j.foster underscore flex paralegals. I'm marketing all the time in there. It's been fun. Is getting certification in our niche, niche important? I, I don't think so, Lisa. I, and so many people might come after me for that. I have never, I've been asked one time by one of my clients over the last four years that they have to carry, and it wasn't even that they had to carry a certificate. It was a California situation where all of her billing is court supervised and what she does. So she could not bill for paralegal time unless they followed the specific criteria set forth by California and what constitutes a paralegal. Other than that, experience has always been the number one priority of all my clients, recruiting, not recruiting. Personally, I would invest time into more self-led, self-managed education from people in the industry than going to school to get a certificate. That's just me. I'm not trying to knock anybody that has certificates. I think it's phenomenal if you have it, but if you don't, don't feel that you're behind or you need to get it in order to be able to market yourself effectively. I don't have a paralegal certificate. I never have. And I was never a certified paralegal either. So I don't have like my NALA or anything of that nature. And we did great. We've, we're doing great. So experience, that's all I had to bring. <laughs> I did go to school for a little bit of time, but that was a nightmare and a lot of money wasted. So Okay, everyone, thanks so much for joining. Um, I hope I got everybody's questions, and I will see you guys on, make sure you're following the podcast too, because I'm going to do, obviously I'm going to keep the podcast up every single week. If I take a little break from the webinars, the podcast every single Thursday morning at 4 a.m. Central Time on the dot, because I have it scheduled, you'll get a new episode to listen on your way to work. So go check that out, Paralegal Mastery Lounge Podcast. It's on Apple's podcast, Spotify, all the above. So make sure you go find it. And thank you so, so very much for joining today. Have a great day.